I'm Liz Wall. You might remember me from when I dropped the mic on live television. I'm proud to be an American and believe in disseminating the truth. And that is why, after this newscast, I'm resigning. That was back in 2014. It was for a Russian-backed international cable news channel. I covered the news, but opinion hosts and guests were often political outsiders, considered to be on the far left or the far right, and some conspiracy theorists. Our country is literally fighting for its life from a multinational global takeover. Eventually, this channel became part of a media ecosystem, working together to elect U.S. President Donald Trump. And those fringe figures would become part of the political mainstream, regulars on places like Fox News. This is so deep. It's a deep state. They want retribution. I want more people getting it like Sean Hannity. This case shows how fake news can lead to a dangerous situation. Today, Americans occupy two entirely separate information bubbles, and a significant part of the country has been radicalized against democracy. Your social media feed may have been part of Russia's interference in the election. Hackers, trolls, bots. We've all heard a lot about Russia's attempts to plant fake news in Western democracies to try to influence the way we vote. How do we get to this point where tens of millions of Americans have been pushed to the extremes of unreality? How do we fix it? Can we? I'm Liz Wall, and that's what we are going to be diving into on this podcast. My guest has finished journalist Jessica Aro. She was supposed to receive a prestigious journalism award at the White House until it was discovered she tweeted something critical of former President Trump. More on that in a second. We met several years ago, I think in 2015, as we were both sounding the alarm on Russian disinformation, online trolling, extremism, and the very real dangers this all posed to democracy. My friend, Jessica, can you tell us about your reward that was revoked? I, I can't still believe that it, it's even happened. But basically, I was informed by the U.S. State Department in the beginning that uh, I have received this award, which, uh, by the way, I didn't apply myself. It was, um, I was chosen to receive it by uh, the very top diplomats of the U.S. State Department who make these decisions. They every day, they every uh, sorry, every year they choose ten uh, international women of courage uh, who have shown leadership and who has contributed to positive change and fought human rights in their areas. So I was so happy to receive it. I was just so proud and so happy. I never thought something like that could even happen to me. And it was. Um, uh, it was founded by Condoleezza Rice, the former uh, uh, Secretary of State of the United States. So I was just beyond happy and I was just all along following uh, the, the advice from the State Department how to um, manage to get tickets and what would be the program like and everything was going smoothly. And then I was asked my social media handles. I didn't, you know, pay any attention because sometimes they ask for handles because maybe they print it out for uh, the brochure for the event or whatever, you know, maybe some, I would maybe get some more followers on, on social media, but then it appeared that it wasn't, it wasn't, I'm sorry, it's just too crazy. So 
Well, I guess it wasn't printed in the brochure then. So instead it was used for other purposes. So like a little over a week, week uh, before I was supposed to travel to Washington DC to receive this uh, precious award from Melania Trump. Uh, uh, Melania Trump was supposed so, to hand it to you herself. Yes, yes. And I had received the uh, invitation from Mike Pompeo, the uh, State Department chief. And I was just ready to go. But then I was suddenly informed that I wouldn't get the prize still award. And <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's just, it's, I'm laughing because... It's beyond my comprehension. It's like from some bad joke or, you know, a, a comedy piece, like a really filthy bad comedy piece. <laughs> so, so then, um, then actually um, Foreign Policy uh, magazine made a story about it and they had interviewed some uh, insiders from inside the, the State Department who told that it was because of my social media postings um, about uh, Trump. And then I started to think, what have I even tweeted or said about Donald Trump? And I actually find, found out that after I had received the notification that I would get the award, I had actually tweeted to him because a president of the United States had himself tweeted first uh, that the media uh, are fake news and enemy of the state, enemy of the people. So uh, I just responded to that with like one tweet saying that Russia doesn't need any troll factories because they have you trolling on their behalf. So things like this I had tweeted, just basic normal freedom of speech opinions and, you know. So... And he yeah, called the press the enemy of the people. That's that's a pretty extreme thing to say. And also Soviet thing to say. Absolutely. And so propagandistic, so uh, hurtful, and so not true. When in fact the press is always looking um, uh, to help the people and to uh, help people's rights and... Yeah, it's so uh, uh, aggressive and it was so strange to see any president, to, like uh, normal, so-called normal president, to tweet anything like that. So I just could not um, help myself but to respond to that. So um, then later on, just fast forward, uh, there were several investigations. The Senate Democrats, they some of them launched an investigation to the gay case because also there were lies being put out by the State Department press officer that I did not originally was awarded the prize at all, that there was a mistake, which was also a lie, and which was put out there in the international media. And I even had to look at that lie from my own broadcaster's morning news. So basically, I was left like, uh, like alone. Um, so you never got on that plane to the United States? I never got on that plane. No, I've never been there, you know, um, in that and receiving that so and so uh, horrible also detail that they picked up someone else to replace me so I just felt really sorry for I'm sure she really deserved it right. but still it's kind of it's just nasty so but yeah so then basically the inspector general looked into it 
and they found in their report that um, that the some of the top diplomats had become uh, afraid that I would stage me that I would stage some kind of political event uh, in the ceremony. But then compared wow, to that what do they think you would do? Like the, rip the, the award from the hands of Melania Trump and say <laughs> fake news, your husband's fake news, or what were they thinking you were going to do? I mean, I yeah, think that exactly. would that would have yeah, been pretty maybe. cool if you did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I didn't. I, I didn't actually have that in, in my plans. I actually mm -hmm. did uh, uh, think that I might um, use myself and offer myself uh, to be the uh, the one who speaks for all of us ladies. But then, <laughs> but it, you know, but also I think that it was. Um, not a good theme for Trump to have in Washington DC this how Russian trolls try to elect presidents and my investigations theme so I think there must have been also some of that yeah so, it certainly doesn't make him look good can you tell us what you found in your investigations on disinformation and trolling on the internet real life um real-life consequences of spreading disinformation and conspiracy theories and propaganda online. So that's the most worrying thing. So originally uh, in my career, I have also investigated Al-Qaeda and other Islamist jihadist uh, groups, propaganda, which was spread out through, for example, YouTube already back in uh, the day, like 2009. And also internet forums as the place where jihadists recruited uh, like more secular people to become part of their uh, um, battles and recruited them to come over to fight their jihadist fight. So when I then found out about this Russian troll farm, um, thanks to the courageous Russian journalists who originally in, uh, infiltrated the farm and made stories about it, thank, thank you them so much. So I want to specifically find out, is it possible that these paid trolls who operate under pseudonym and fake names and fake personas online, can they actually pull the strings of real people and influence in real Finnish, in this, my case, uh, in Finnish people's ideas, attitudes, or even behavior? Whether that behavior, was it then voting behavior or any type of other behavior? Because... I thought that it's such a big threat if there is now Russian troll factory in which there are some FSB security service guys and propaganda architects who are actually trying to actually play us and play us maybe against each other or um, play us to hurt ourselves or our democracy. So that's what I was uh, really into. And then I noticed myself how uh, bad it is for a person when a person becomes target of such uh, filth, fake news and such. Just an example, some numbers. I counted um, a couple of years back, there were over 300 filth pieces uh, online on only one Finnish language fake news site, which had the, my name in, in their title, so-called title. And then the articles were always about, you know, me being a criminal, me being crazy, me being drug dealer, me being a threat to Finnish national security and whatever. So those articles had over 4.5 million clicks. So they had um, been seen. 
so many times. And after I did these calculations, I wasn't anymore surprised why I was receiving a massive flood of death threats from people who were reading this filth and fake and uh, vicious articles. Of course, because this is what these propagandists also do. So they put out these fake news that are portrayed as news, but are actually brainwashing. That's what they do. They influence the reader's brains. They agitate a feeling, for example, fear or hatred. So then when people become agitated by these stories, then they act. For example, commit um, <clears throat> violence, either in cyberspace or in worst case, in physical space. And then I basically had to also run, run for my safety to live in another country to be able to finalize my book and my investigations. So because so many people were were infected. So this is why I'm looking with great worry and great um, uh, sadness, all this uh, disinformation and lies and conspiracy theories being spread, not only by Russian trolls, but also by, let's say, Donald Trump and his cronies. Yeah, but you have had some success in the courtroom. Can you talk about that? Um, how you were essentially one of the first cases that held some of these disinformation disinformation super spreaders accountable. Definitely, yes, um, of course. So uh, in my case, uh, it has been quite easy to make the distinction between um, whether these uh, propaganda architects who have also harassed me and attacked me viciously, whether their material has been actually illegal or just disinformation, which in itself, it's not illegal. In my case, uh, I basically went through a massive amount and ongoing amount of uh, smears, libels, illegal threats, and um, basically just like a never-ending river of threats which were even targeted to my family and to uh, my life. So it was quite easy in the beginning to separate that. And then, of course, um, they were attached to so many different conspiracy theories, of which some were also clearly illegal, because it's not according to anyone's freedom of speech um, or anyone's basic rights to claim, for example, that I work in close cooperation with uh, for example, the American security services. Uh, so for me in Finland, according to the Finnish legislation, it was quite easy. And we did it uh, together with lawyers and some firm speech experts. So basically we went through hundreds of fake news uh, and social media troll postings about myself. Wherever there was my name attached to some kind of dirt, we looked whether it was illegal threat or some other crime or just someone voicing out their critical opinion about my work because that's that's the key distinction. It's okay, you know, anyone can um, criticize me, my work, I mean, and criticize what I do when I'm in publicity, but they cannot add any extra layer of uh, lies and libel to it. Also, it was quite easy because the propaganda about me has always been very kind of simple and repetitive. So this, there has been five main 
claims about me. Basically that I am drug user and drug dealer and that I work with NATO and CIA and American security services and that they basically feed me stories and control me. Then also uh, that I'm propagandist and stuff like this. this. So here in European countries, I believe the situation uh, is much easier than in America because in America you have this uh, First Amendment you know, rights that you can say pretty much anything about anyone. But here in Europe, it's much more regulated because um, our legislation actually tries to protect um, the victims' rights because uh, here two rights kind of collide. These perpetrators' right for freedom of speech and my right to live a normal life without any threats or libels. Um, being spit out all over internet about me. And um, yes, we have received with my lawyer and my employer, the Finnish broadcasting company, which I work for as a journalist, we have received good news from the court and many good convictions, just like you said. Um, But I really recommend anyone who becomes target of anything like this to actually look at this disinformation topic more clearly from the point of view of criminal um, legislation. Mm. Uh, so it's not just, you know, um, there, there, there's one thing to spread uh, co- like common general conspiracy theories, which are not directed to anyone specifically, but then there are these vicious attacks against a person, a human being. So that should be separated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's much more difficult here, I think. I talked to a couple attorneys back when there was some disinformation being spread about me that was really frustrating. This one conspiracy theory caught on that I was a neocon, that I was working with neocons to start World War III, um, that I was kind of a, a NATO puppet. It gets kind of convoluted, but at the time it was on my Wikipedia page. It was all over social media. And I felt like even though it was so ridiculous, some people thought it was true. And even if people didn't believe every aspect of this conspiracy theory, it was enough to, pe- to make people question my character and my integrity and to wonder if I had additional motives, even though this conspiracy theory was so ridiculous. Um, and I felt kind of hel- helpless because I was like, that's it. They can just get away with it. They can just make up this ridiculous conspiracy theory. And that leads to tons of harassment online. And it's been so much worse for others. I've spoken to victims of high profile shootings that were stalked and tormented due to online conspiracy theories. For example, I spoke to the father of a six-year-old child that was killed in the Sandy Hook shooting and the harassment that he's faced because of people like Alex Jones that accused him of faking his son's own death as part of a plot to take away gun rights. I contacted Facebook about why this harassment was allowed and a representative, this was for a story that I was working on, told me, quote, we aren't arbiters of truth. And I was thinking, no, you're, you're not arbiters of truth. You're enablers of lies and that lead to shooting victims getting stalked And now that led to an attempted coup against America and the steady denigration of democracy. 
Um, so, so yeah, I mean, like, do you think that the U.S. has a, a lot that we can learn from, from, from your, from your experience, from what Europe is doing? Um, what do you think about that? That, I mean, do you worry that we're just kind of standing back and letting it all happen? Well, yeah, it, it actually looks like that there is really powerful lobby in the U.S. Um, to um, promote the rights of social media companies such as Twitter and Facebook uh, to continue their quite reckless um, um, activities in protecting basically state-sponsored trolls and propagandists and war and hate mongers. So, for example, here in the uh, European Union, the European Commission has ever since 2016 tried to hold the social media companies accountable and try to basically force them to remove at least hate speech, such as agitation against races and such type of hate crime uh, agitation, so that they would remove it at least in 24 hours after it's posted on social media platforms. Uh, but it's still an ongoing problem and it's still an ongoing problem in so many different countries. And I have also myself tried to lobby um, to, to have Facebook as well as Twitter and then, of course, Google slash YouTube, which is also infested with um, hate mongering and hate speech against minorities, women, and basically because that is a crime uh, in so many different countries. Um, it should be rooted out immediately. But what we're seeing from the side, from the US companies, is avoiding this problem, is um, not reacting quickly enough. It, it is um, uneffective solutions. For example, after Mueller, special uh, um, Investigator Muller did. Yeah, the research. special counsel Robert uh, Muller. Yes, yes, his uh, excellent uh, investigations into the Russian interference in the U.S. elections 2016. Uh, after they actually unearthed the scale and magnitude of how much people were real American people were touched by Russian troll factory paid propagandists. It was something like 126 million Americans. Uh, only after that, and after they were grilled in the Senate of the US, only after that, Facebook said that now we will add this button that you can look whether you have uh, seen material from Russian troll factory. So I checked how that button works. It doesn't work. <laughs> It just doesn't. So they make out these big PR campaigns and big, you know, um, press releases about how they now will enhance the security of their platforms. But basically their platforms are broken. Why isn't the regulation happening in the United States? Uh, even though there are many politicians who vote for it, who try to push it forward. Uh, maybe it's because of your political or the American, the U.S. political um, division. There are so many Republicans who lo love to spread disinformation and who also politically gain from um, spreading it. Mm. And this is also what we of course saw now, now in the, in the latest developments with Trump's 
end of his presidency and how many Republicans also supported his false claims about, for example, the so-called election fraud, which actually did not happen. Exactly, exactly. It's, yeah, in here we are today after an insurrection on democracy at the U.S. Capitol. And even after that, most Republicans voted to uh, basically support that lie that the election was that Joe Biden did not win the election fair and square. And and most uh, most Republicans believe that Joe Biden is not our president. They have believed in all this disinformation. They believed in the lies that they that our politicians have told them. And so. I, yeah, it's hard to put into words how I feel like that is the story of our time, that right now the fight for the very notion of truth is what is defining our era. Um, and I think that finally people are beginning to see the severity of this problem as literally our our population, one of our main political parties is radicalizing against the very notion of democracy. It's so nuts to say out loud sometimes, but that is where we are right now. Um, what do you, do you, when you saw watching from Europe, um, watching, what do you, when you saw coverage of that capital insurrection, um, what was going through your mind um, I know that you have been in this world um, covering, investigating disinformation, far-right extremism, um, online trolling, online disinformation, all this whole universe, this whole alternative media ecosystem. Um, so when you saw this kind of bubble up into this, this insurrection, what was going through your mind? I was actually trying to think the same thing uh, about president of Russian Federation, Vladimir Putin, who personally himself uh, is responsible uh, for the troll and propaganda attacks and cyber attacks against the United States and uh, the promotion of Donald Trump as the US president. So I was thinking uh, how he must have been feeling when he watched the same live streams, which we're all watching. Uh, so I was thinking he's so happy at the moment. He he's like this is one of his major victories during his um, million terms as the dictator troll president of Russian Federation and as the wannabe master uh, architect mastermind behind so many troll and uh, harassment operations promoting exactly what we were seeing at the Capitol at that time. I saw it as one of these um, end games that Putin has had in mind when he wanted to insert Trump as, uh, as the president of the United States, but it's not the last. So there will be operations like this. It, it could be even worse, but this is just one that we have now witnessed. And especially I would like to point out um, actually originally really brave again they are those super brave and courageous russian journalists the independent ones the ones who are still trying to um 
get out the truth even when risking their lives, but they were the ones who noticed first that there were some shady Russian uh, security service recruit people in the capital also uh, together with the uh, other protesters. Uh, same recruits who have had already been um, provoking and making field videos and operations in eastern Ukraine, where Russia also has hidden operations and where it's uh, waging war. So, and also then later on, there was more investigations and research, and I believe it's still ongoing, of the Russian physical involvement in the uh, capital insurrection. So, yeah, yeah. This is, I think uh, that there's, yeah, I, the, I mean, that's, that's a whole nother, I think there's so much more to this insurrection and all of the planning and uh, there's a lot more that we don't know that's yet to be uh, investigated and brought to light. People are wondering, you know, why would, why would he, why would Putin spend so much time, attention, resources into funding trolls on the internet, disinformation, uh, boosting these filthy, bizarre conspiracy theories online. Why is he wasting his time doing this? What is the strategy? What is the end game? And I think now we're finally seeing that's the end game to divide America. And we are so divided right now to the point where it's like we live in totally different realities. And I'm with you. Sometimes I'm, I feel like I'm in an episode of Black Mirror where it's just like, mm -hmm. is this a simulation? <laughs> how do we restart yeah. it? How do we, this has had gotten out of control. How do we get back to believing in just essential facts, you know, knowing the essential difference between opinion and fact, we can have different opinions, but they need to be rooted in reality. And without that, we can't fight a pandemic. We can't fight global warming. We can't do really, we, it's hard to be productive when, you know, um, we can't even agree on what reality is. We can't even agree on who are you as a, you, who, the, who the president is. There's a, a fight about that. It's so, it's gotten so out of control. And you had mentioned with the disinformation campaign um, that this is one successful example that the, the attempted coup against US democracy. Um, and some people are saying right now, I'm, I'm hearing some voices on social media that think, okay, well, Trump is out, this nightmare is over, this is gone, the far right is gonna fizzle out. But do you think that that's the case? Is it Trump's gone, problem solved? I wish it was that simple, but there are already um, some new people who aren't yet as known as Trump uh, or who haven't been yet exposed, just like he and his Russian ties and um, uh, Russian um, money uh, operations have been already unearthed. But there are so many other people who the Russian security services are cultivating and recruiting and training and having them work for them. So there are so many other people, uh, unfortunately. If one is out of the game, then that's that's just like chess. So there, there will be then others. So I wish it was only that, but because there are so many other issues. And uh, from European point of view, I'd like to say that uh, Russia has meddled in so many of European countries' um, political business and has tried to insert so many uh, presidents and so many other uh, influential uh, 
um, political uh, figures in so many different countries. They have uh, fueled and waged uh, populism and especially right-wing extremism heavily. Uh, they are, um, for example, they are organizing these uh, events in which they are actually inviting uh, right-wing, like up, like future hopes of the European uh, extreme right uh, to Russia to have meetings and to network with each other, to learn from each other. And they even hold uh, training camps for um, right-wing extremists from other countries where they actually um, study weapons handling and really violent stuff. So I wish it was only, you know, one Trump. I wish it was only that, you know, now case is closed. We can now live in peace uh, with Russia and with our own homegrown uh, disinformation and propaganda spreaders. Uh, but it's not like that. So, and also this is what I learned from uh, Bill Browder, my friend, uh, financier, and also target of uh, horrible, insane harassment and uh, high crime campaigns uh, from the Kremlin. So he actually taught me really well that uh, Russia invests so much money into these uh, field operations and criminal attacks. Uh, and because there is no parliamentary oversight of the spending of this money, so no one is really, no one doesn't really care if some operations fail, if some don't go so well, but they are happy when uh, something goes well. You also wrote a book on your your experience. Can you tell us about that? It's called Putin's Troll Army. Um, please tell us about it a little bit and um, how can we get a copy? Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, so my book, uh, it features stories of really courageous individuals who became targets of Russian information operations and Russian crime and Russian trolls and Russian fake news, but who uh, shared their stories and their experience with us. It also includes story of uh, Liz Wall. Oh, uh, who's that? <laughs> remarkable... Yeah, a remarkable um, U.S. reporter who worked at um, RT America and then got enough of the propaganda spreading and whistle blew. I think this is the most magnificent thing. Whistle blew the whole thing on air and told that she's had enough of Putin's lies and will unresigned on air. Well, I have been wondering throughout this the whole Trump administration, where are the Fox News anchors? Why aren't they resigning on the air? Why aren't they telling the American people this is fake? This is a conspiracy theory. This is not true. I can't do it. Hello, everybody, wake up. I, not one news anchor or reporter had spoken up. And I don't know, I was disappointed. I even tweeted a couple of times, like if you need any inspiration, if you need a video kind of template, here you go, here's how you do it. Nobody, nobody, <laughs> nothing. Um, yeah, I mean, that's I just, horrible. I can't believe these propagandists just go on. They don't have a problem with it. They go to sleep at night, that's it. Uh, they don't have any problems. I, I have been so disappointed that mm -hmm. more people haven't spoken out. People were in positions to tell the truth and to make a difference. And sadly, I don't know. Mm -hmm. not, but not you enough. know, maybe there's, 
Uh, Fox News anchors, maybe they are out of beyond the reach of any help. But I have to tell that your action, what you did so um, purely and so beautifully, uh, it made an effect uh, throughout the at least Western world. And it echoed everywhere. I saw originally the news about Yuri Sign on Air and calling out RTS, a Russian propaganda channel. Uh, it was spreading on my social media feed everywhere. And I mean, it's stuff like this that the world needs at the moment. It's people like you that the uh, world needs at the moment. This is how you battle disinformation. This is what you have done, uh, even though you faced all the revenge and you had RT, their own chief editor, attacking you and spreading disinformation and attacking your integrity and calling you whatever horrible stuff. Yeah, was, and still yeah, you continued and you continued spreading this message. You still continue doing it. This is, you know, so much depends on work that you do. So well, thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. I um, I guess I have also have been just so shocked that there's been so many people willing in the last five years to spread disinformation and to not to not care. Um, it's been very, very sad to see. So we have so much work to do in order to help bring people back to reality, to stop this radicalization against democracy. And I am so glad that you have been on the front lines of this, Jessica. Thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you. It was such an like, subscribe, and share. Together, we can live in the same reality once again. I'm Liz Wall.